Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Well, howdy, everybody. It's another Saturday, and it is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander with you, Bunker de France here, and in Los doodly? Angeles, it's our good friend Todd Roberts. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. How to doodly there, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Pruneville. <laughs> Pruneville. Uh, hey, I've got a jar of prunes right here in the fridge. <laughs> well, that'll so make a regular Bunker, guy come out. Come on over you? and partake in some prunage. <laughs> Do you drink green juice for uh, Chaser? Oh, jeez. I, I, well, I drink my Dr. Pepper occasionally. Oh, well, it's kind of like pr- prune juice. <laughs> well, it is prune juice. It is prune juice. No. No. It's carbonated, sugarized prune juice. No. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think it is. Yes, it is. I read that somewhere. Yes. Oh. Yes. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, the state it's from is from Texas. Yes. And I have a very good friend here in Los Angeles who um, is born and raised in L.A. boy all his life. And... We'd go out and we used to go to dinner, the three of us, uh, me and our, my other good friend Shelly Volk, and, and we'd go out and we'd, we'd cheeseburgers or whatever it was, and he'd always say, whenever we were discussing where we were going, he'd go, well, can, uh, can, uh, do we have to go there? You know, well, what's the matter with that place, Ronnie? Well, they don't have Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and What? They have, but Ronnie, they have root beer. Uh, 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 Todd, root beer is not Dr. Pepper. Hey, Dr. you know, Pepper. you can make Dr. Pepper at home. Just get you a jar of prune juice and a, a seltzer bottle and just blast it. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll blast it later. Yeah, that must be yeah, right. Yeah, and Harry, Dan is in 100% agreement with you yeah, at I, this moment. I think that's where this, the, the phrase 10 to 4 comes from. You go 10 and you go at 2 and you go at 4. Yeah, yeah, 10 yeah two that's four, yeah. Whiskey Foxtrot. There you, yeah, exactly. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Uh, exactly. You know. You're 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 delving into an area that is the of the unknown, and there's a reason it's unknown. That's it's right. unwanted. And we're going to keep it unknown. Today's program is all about Western authors. Now, uh, we've had numerous authors from the Western writers of America on this all show, living. all living, and we've had other authors who are not members of Western writers on this show, all living, all living. But we're going to today talk about the authors who are not living, <laughs> the ones who started the Western genre and uh, allowed generations to follow, uh, to continue in that genre. That's the nature of today's program. But before we get going with that, I want to share an email that came to us uh, about a half hour before we went uh, to the live stream. And it's uh, from a listener, Gary Armstrong. He says, Hiya, folks. Listening to your show in tiny Uxbridge, Massachusetts, deep, deep in New England snow country. Gene Freeze is our connector and a darn good saddle pal. For those of you who don't know who Gene Freeze is, Gene Freeze is our man of of Location. Western mystery. I mean, he knows <laughs> he knows more stuff than even the people who know stuff don't exactly. know. He's well, a great writer. Yeah, and so uh, he's uh, in, in his email. He says, "Yesterday, between snow duty, he squeezed in Black Patch with George Montgomery and Leo Gordon, who also wrote this terrific noir film with a Western setting." And his nightcap was Riding Shotgun with Randy Scott and Wayne Morris. And uh, this guy called Charles Buczynski was a tough young villain. Never heard of him. Charles Buczynski. He has that face that hurts people. 
Yeah, well, he plays people that hurts people. Yeah, and, Bron- <laughs> and for the uninitiated, it's Charles Bronson. Anyway, he uh, says thanks. <laughs> he says thanks. For well, the let, great let's give out a small shout out to uh, Dwayne uh, Dwayne Epstein, who wrote a great book on Lee Marvin called Point Blank. Today yeah, is Marvin's right birthday, now, it, and and uh, is now writing a book on Charles Bronson, a biography. Yeah. Isn't He's today a very good, very very good biographer? Is uh, uh, isn't today uh, Char, um, no, no, Lee Marvin's birthday, or was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. I've seen it more than once on my Facebook page. Yeah, same here. And uh, you know, it made me think. And, and uh, you know, so well the one uh, the one scene that I that I saw uh, uh, the post it was him uh, on the horse leaning up against the building, and you know, it, it was from Marty Walsh. Uh, Cat Baloo. No. Don't on the horse leaning against the Is building. That Cat that's Cat Baloo? That's Cat Baloo. I'm sorry. That's Cat Baloo. Uh, here. You've got to stop eating the covers on the books I and guess read so. them. I guess so. That, well, it's it, uh, just short little story. When he won his Oscar in 1965 for that film, the only Oscar he won, uh, he when he accepted his Oscar, he said, you know, um, I thank the Academy and 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 so on very much, but I have to say that I accept this award uh, um, uh, on behalf of not just myself, but a horse that I owe a lot to. Yeah, I own uh, a half because of, of this award. Too. Half of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, finish finish the guys. Uh, thing. Well, that that was it. Oh, that was you it. know, and, and so well, one other I little piece him, of business. I, I emailed him back and said, "Thanks for listening, and we'll give you a shout out." Yeah, thanks for listening. You bet. Keep it up. Yep. Well, you know, uh, tomorrow, Harry and I are heading down to the Empire Ranch. You know, a, a friend of ours uh, passed away a few a, a week or so ago, uh, Marty, and we're having a memorial for him down there. And I think it's just so fitting because he was very active with the ranch. He was on the board up until the time that he, he just had got too sick and had to, uh, had to step away. Mm-hmm. But uh, we lost a great cowboy, a great... Funny man, great sense of humor. Storyteller. Storyteller. And the funny thing is we had, you know, we've always talked, Terry and me, about doing little videos or something or doing little story vignettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and we, Marty said, well, I'll help you with it. And <laughs> I'm, I feel so bad that we never got to do at least I one. I know. Yeah, well, that's the story of our lives. We talk and plan and plot, and, <laughs> and then we go have coffee, <laughs> or whiskey, or whatever. All right, let's. Um, I want to read something. Oh, you here. got something? Okay, go ahead. It's kind of an introduction here. Uh, it was this gal, uh, Vicky Pieskarski. She uh, she was one of the co-editors on Encyclopedia of Frontier and Western Fiction, but this is kind of her take. On it, and she's talking about how she didn't have much of an appreciation for what she, you know, she's like a lot of English majors sure. and stuff. They're very knowledgeable, but in the Western field, they don't teach it, so they don't really know right, it. Right. And she's talking about her introduction to it, and she says, My assumptions proved to be completely erroneous. Western literature, for indeed much of it must be considered literature, has very little in common with Western films. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty darn yeah. interesting and pretty darn accurate, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I, I love, I mean, I, so many of the movies that I saw, I read as novels before that, you know, mm-hmm. Shane, mm-hmm. Money Walsh, mm-hmm. you know, just ad infinitum. Mm-hmm. And 
I gotta say, I love the books. As more. great as the movies are, I love the books more because I'm part of the book, and in the movie, I'm a passenger. Well, in in the book, there is so much more opportunity to um, explain things. Yeah, uh, where you don't have that opportunity on screen, you got to do it real quick. Well, you know, it's it's like uh, Riders of the Purple Sage, uh, Zane Gray, you know, and a lot of people. They they knock him now because they don't they're not in 1930 mm-hmm. 1920 mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're looking at it from the jaundiced eyes of today right but his description of the land plus you put you in there you can smell the sage you can feel yeah. the crunch of the yeah. sage as the horses ride through it and his description of the storm in that hidden valley. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, you feel like you've just been in the, the worst monsoon storm in history. Mm-hmm. It'd make the blizzard in Texas look like a spring <laughs> rain. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Todd? You got any uh, authors you want to throw in there? Oh, you know, I know you as do. always, <laughs> I have too many, to be honest. Um, you know, uh, we all love our uh, Larry McMurtry's Zane Grays and our Elmore Leonard's and our Max Evans and our Louis L'Amour and our Jack Schaefer. But there's two that I, I, I'll throw out to you that I, you know, which, uh, Blevins, who was a member of the Western Writers Association. Uh, we we lost you, wrote, Todd, we lost you there for a moment uh, on, <clears throat> on the name. So when, when, Winford Blevins. Okay. Yeah. And he wrote a great book called uh, about mountain men called Give My Heart to the Hawks. And uh, it's a great, great book. Um, it's really more historical and so on. But he, it still takes a talent as a writer to construct it and deliver it in such a way that you want to read it. And, of course, the other one for me is uh, Paul Wellman, who, who wrote um, – uh, a novel called Jubal Troop, which became the film Jubal, mm-hmm. that I have a big thing for, as you all know. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, I think when you, as Bunker says, you know, um, the, the novel can be so much better often uh, than than the film because the author has nothing but unlimited time as the reader has unlimited time to read it. There's a time constraint in the film, and there's only so much room or bandwidth. And the author is given a lot more, shall I say, uh, birth and, and wide uh, ability to be able to describe things that you don't get anywhere else. Um, and in a novel, you're, you're right. You, you're in the car. You're not a passenger. You're, you're, you're part of it, and you can feel it uh, when the writer connects with you and you connect with the writer. Well, you know, here's an interesting thing about Wellman, that uh, he spoke Umbundu before he did English, because he did his formative years in Africa. His father uh, practiced uh, tropical medicine in uh, Angola with the Bantus. Hmm. And, you know, of course, Hmm. he just, what else? You got some of his novels, Bronco, Apache, Jubal Troop, uh, whatever we got here. He went to the University of Wichita, uh, joined the Army for World War One. He is, you know, and he was a screenwriter for Warner Brothers, then for MGM. Uh, you know, I'm trying to, there's one of his books I'm trying to remember. Uh, Bronco Apache was a great one, the Jubal Troop. Uh, the Bowl of Brass is a great one. 
Iron Mistress about James Bowie. With, they did the movie with Alan Ladd. Yes. Common Charles with John Wayne. Uh, it just goes on and on and on, you know. I agree. I agree with all. Those are all some of my favorite. Of course, Western. Um, you know, uh, the Iron Mistress is still a film that thrilled me as a child, and it still does. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a Western, but I think it is a Western it in is. its spirit. Uh, and it, you know, our great founder would call it an Easterner, not a Western or a Westerner. But um, I, even though it is that side of the Mississippi, but. The spirit of the uh, entrepreneur and the frontiersman, the fearlessness of those guys, I think, is something that that all great authors uh, in this genre and other adventure authors have in common, whether it's Rudyard Kipling or it's Larry McMurtry. Well, you know, too, here's, here's the thing. Uh, you, you take guys like, like this that they... Their background is just so rich that, you know, it's almost like, how could they not write? Yes. It, it would be a crime for them not to. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with you completely. Uh, I feel that way about it's a depressing story, whether you read the book or the, see the film. But, you know, Walter Van Tilburg Clark's uh, The Oxbow Incident is still, to yep. me, one of the greatest stories ever. Well, you know, let's, you know, let's, I, I, one of the things I want to point out to, to, to people out there is, you know, we, there's always among the Western writers, the big thing, well, if it's west of the Mississippi, it's a Western. If it's east of the Mississippi, it's not. Yet you've got movies like uh, Drums Along the Mohawk, which everybody claims is a Western. Uh, when I was in my early teens, I was reading all the frontier novels in the Ohio Valley and Pennsylvania. And I maintain that the West started at Jamestown. Well, it that was the first <clears throat> Wild West. It would have had to, yeah, since that's ah. where the and Eller agrees, and that's that's where the uh, first population uh, and, was. And then you go, and then you go down to Florida, you know, under the Spanish. Mm -hmm. It was the, the Spanish Florida was just like Jamestown, but it was really wild and western. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it was no different than the Alamo, really, in a sense, <laughs> Texas. It went through the, it went through the, the things it went through mm -hmm. bec before it became part of the United States, the border warfare between the, the colonies and Florida was amazing. Yeah. Well, one author who really only has one or two books out, but I think is some, someone worth exploring is James Henry Tevis. Yeah. He was uh, an Arizona pioneer who uh, founded who founded Teveston, Arizona, which uh, later became Bowie, Arizona. And uh, his claim to fame was his book called Arizona in the Fifties, and uh, we're not we're talking the eighteen fifties. Uh, set uh, as the basis for a television series by Walt Disney in in nineteen sixty four. James Tevis came to Arizona from uh, Wheeling, West Virginia, and uh, he had run away from home at the age of 12, uh, joined a crew of a steamboat headed to New Orleans. After the Civil War, he migrated to St. Louis, where he was engaged as a captain of a riverboat for several years, and then he migrated to the Arizona Territory, working with the Butterland, Butterfield Overland Mail Company that was in 1857. 
He helped construct the stage station at Apache Pass, Arizona, served in the Arizona Guards, and participated in many engagements with Indians. He uh, served in Herbert's Battalion, uh, Arizona Cavalry, during the American Civil War. Um, he was a Confederate, <clears throat> so, um, so no, what? I won't hold it against no, him. No, I won't hold it against him. I don't him take either. sides. But the, the book, Arizona in the 50s, details what Arizona was like. In the 1850s. It was all mostly southern Arizona. It was. And uh, it's not a long book, but it is really, really good. You can find it on Amazon, uh, 25 bucks for the um, for the uh, Outrageous. Pa- pa- paperback. <laughs> and I imagine you can find it uh, bunches of other places, too. You can check it out at the library, too. But, I'm just uh, thinking, you said that. It reminds me back when you could go down to the drugstore and pick up a paperback of any of your favorite westerns for a quarter. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, one guy we need to mention, because he's kind of the daddy of them, is James Fenimore Cooper. You've heard. You know, I mean, the other stalking saga, you know, it just, and, you know, I'm almost at a loss of words because there's just so much about it. But, uh, and he was... It's so funny because so many of these guys, they're belittled, their work, mm-hmm. mostly by, you know, the the hoi polloi literature mm-hmm. people, you know, the the high, high school of literature. Well, I'm wondering how some of these folks were able to cut through that and, and, and get their books published because, what, it, I don't even know who the publishers were back then. I imagine Random House was around. And McNaughton and, and so forth, but uh, oh, we're just small houses. But yeah, um, how do you get your book? Well, done well now? here's the thing too: I guess like authors you know, are still struggling with that today. To to digress a bit away from Cooper for a minute, uh, a lot of these guys they were writing for the pulps, and as the pulps faded away, they were writing for the slicks, mm-hmm. which was like Collier's and Saturday Evening mm-hmm. Post. But one of the things that they were doing is they were writing serialized stories, which were later published as novels, or sometimes published as a novel and then serialized. Well, Todd sent me a... uh, You are still here, aren't you, Todd? Yeah, I'm right here. Okay. Where'd you go? He sent me an email with a a link of uh, 21 Western novels every man should read, and women too, I would imagine. Uh, Log of a Cowboy by Andy Adams, 1903. Uh, this was, uh, uh, let's see, Owen Wister's Virginian, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, this looks pretty good anyway. Uh, Riders of the Purple Sage, Oxbow Incident, very fine book. And, you know, the movie, I think the Oxbow Incident m- mirrored the book pretty well. Yeah, it was a shorter book, so it was easy to, easier to do that. Yeah. That's also true of a lot of the, you know, like the Ernest Haycock stuff mm-hmm. that was, you know, was done uh, so many of those came out of the stories from Saturday Evening Post mm-hmm. that their length was he pretty much they had to actually pad them up a little bit to get them to feature length. Yeah, and I think when you because the artist short story in some some ways is harder than novels because yeah. you got to be able to say it in X number of words and that's it. We're talking about the authors of the Western genre; those who were no longer with us uh, and paved the way for those who are with us to have uh, fabulous success in that chosen genre. This is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We're going to take a short break here. Harry Alexander, Todd Roberts, and Bunker de France will be back right up to these messages. Harry 
Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Andrews. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honorveterans to find out how you can help. Watch classic Western movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net. We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts. We're talking about Western authors, the... Uh, folks who aren't around with us uh, any longer, uh, but have made it possible for those who are with us to continue in that genre. And you can still read them today. Yeah, of course you can. Some of them are still in print, and some of them you can find in the uh, in the uh, used bookstores. Or possibly online. Online, yeah. That's right. I keep forgetting. Yeah, you, <laughs> you're an e-book guy. I'm an e-book guy because I live in an RV and I don't have space for books. That's true. Um, so well, my, computer yeah, is, that's... my computer is chock full of books. And my Chuck Fool, that would be a good name for a cowboy. Hey, you know what a great name for a, a, a Western band would be? What's that? Angry Ranchers. Like angry, <laughs> like, like angry Birds? <laughs> yeah, like Angry angry Ranchers. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because they're always... You, you know, always, it's you know, funny <laughs> about the written word that we're talking about and, and how true it is, Bunker, what you said, that, you know, they're still out there. They're still alive, and you can read them, whether or not the artist... Uh, the author's gone, or you don't know anybody in the world who's ever read it, or they're still out there, and they're still alive, and you can find them. And as our great president, uh, Abraham Lincoln, said, the written word is how we communicate with the dead 
the unborn and the unknown. Mm -hmm. right. And that's how they communicate with us and we yep. communicate with them. And, you know, I, I know that we all love Larry Mc, uh, uh, Louis Lamore, but there's much uh, more out there. He, more out there, but one of his greatest books, and I know it is off our subject, but it really gives you an idea of what it is to be a writer and how, how to write and why to write is, uh, um, education of a wandering man, oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is which is his biography, autobiography, and it's a fabulous book. And he was so devoted to before he became a writer to reading that he used to write down in his di his diary or his his organizer his his little date book when he started a book and then when he finished it. Hmm. And he there was a period there of like 10 years and he read or 13 years that he read just an astronomical number of books and they're all documented in that in that in his uh, in his uh, diary and yeah, uh, i always found it really interesting and it inspired me because i tried to pick up that habit myself you know i'll also throw out one out, out there that i'd love to get your reaction both of your reactions on is uh Harry Coombs's book Brules. Not had and, a, uh, have not had a chance to read that one. I didn't. Harry Coombs, Chrome. C O M B S, and he wrote a great novel called Brules, and it's an old western novel. Uh, it's a story of a guy named Cat Brules, and he who you know um, embraces the wild and violent life of the short and turbulent times of, that they he lived in, and. I have two brothers that are cowboys that um, love this book so much that they kept just kept rereading the book, and the book started to fall apart on them. <laughs> so they would they would they would tra they would trade sections with each other, trying to make sure that they kept all the pages there. And then the other one would call the other one. Well, I need to I need to borrow my sec that other section again because I'm missing this thing here. I I need to reread <laughs> this part or that part. And it became like a, a like horse trading. How but do you spell his one last book. name? C O M, uh, like a comb. C O M. Oh, okay. C O M B S. Harry is his first name. And Brules, uh, you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it in hardback on uh, on uh, eBay as well. It's in paperback. He also wrote a book called The Scout, and he also wrote a book called The Legend of the Painted Horse. Okay. But Brules is the one that that my buddy, my two friends, Christopher Warren and his brother Kevin Warren uh, turned me on to, and they just love it. And uh, you know, it's—I'll uh, read the caption. There was once a time when Longhorns bawled and cowboys hollered on the dusty Chisholm Trail, when wild men, when wild young men toting six shooters danced with saloon girls and dreamed of the motherlode, when Comanches on the warpath drenched the plains in blood. <laughs> well, that's, that's a scene, real nice. I've got a guy for here, Art. Uh, uh, Todd, are you familiar with Frederick Faust? Uh, no. Well, you should be because he wrote under the under six, uh, 19 pseudonyms. <laughs> and among those pseudonyms was Max Brand and Evan Evans. And I, well, I love Max Brand. Yeah, everybody Brand. does. I've got, a, I got I think, a, a stack of 10 Max Brands at home that I keep saying I'm going to get around to reading them one of these days. And I Are haven't. yours linen-covered? And there's a uh, and part of the linen cover. It's kind of an oatmeal color. And is it uh, and on the spine is it red and blue? 
I'd have to go home and look if you if you can hold I on for a minute. Probably we'll, we'll fifteen or sixteen of those when my when I found out my son was going to be born and I was having a boy. I I started. Uh, he didn't. We didn't even have a house big enough for a, a his own bedroom. But I had these grandiose illusions that I was he was going to have his own room. It was going to be decorated in B movie cowboy oh, memorabilia, nice. and then the bookshelves would be stuffed. <laughs> With Zane Gray, Louis Lamore, Max Brand, and and so on. Well, here's an interesting thing. Uh, he was writing an equivalent of six to seven novels a year for the pulps. So many, in fact, that up to 25 years after his death, pulp serials were still being issued for the first time in book form. An early Johnny Boggs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and I think we should mention our our uh, a plug. Uh, in in a way, selfishly, that you know we've got some uh, we've got some great writers associated with our show, Johnny Boggs and Robert Knott included, and uh, Chris Ann. and the great Michael Blake and mm-hmm. Dan Galeasso, yeah. yeah, as well as Doug Hawkins, Gene Freeze, Gene Freeze, sure. I mean, uh, sure. any of them and all of them. What do you guys know about B. M. Bauer? B. M. Bauer. Oh, I want to say one more thing about about Frost before we go. Uh, his books are still being sold. Well, this, of course, this is going back about ten years at a rate of a million copies a year. Damn, that's pretty good. Yeah. Wow. B. M. Bauer. Bauer. I think I got B. M. Bauer. B. O. W. Oh, that's the lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she she wrote. Uh, she wrote. Chip uh, of the Flying U. Chip of the Flying U. And that was, a, that was that a was a great movie, man. You know, she she went into movie production. Yeah. And was a writer for years, and she yeah. was very prolific. She was a good. When we mentioned her on the, when we the did uh, Charlie Russell, she mm-hmm. was Charlie was a friend of hers and did illustrations for her books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I would also say Charlie Russell should be included. Well, oh yeah, he didn't obviously. write books, but he he wrote some of the greatest stories that well have ever graced the, the yeah, West. Definitely. Actually, you know what's funny is he did write some books. And well, I'll just, I'll you just, know what I mean. Yeah. Well, no, because uh, Lost Pony Tracks is a classic. It's one of it's one of my favorite favorite books. And then he did what was what was the other one? Oh, I got it here somewhere. Well, Trails Plowed Under. Yes. Trails Plowed Under. Why? Oh, Lost Pony Tracks. Excuse me. That was Ross Santee, who has to be mentioned because he's one of He's one of my favorites. It was Arizona Rice. What's what we got here? I got yeah. Trails plowed under is on uh, is one of the books that I'm reading. Uh, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I have a hard time reading more than one book at a at, at a time. <laughs> uh, concentration issues, I guess. I don't know, but uh, I tend to get my characters mixed up, and so <laughs> I uh, try to devote myself to just one book at a time. Um, and, Trails Plot Under is one of them, and I've got another one going, too. Yeah, here we go. Rawhide Rollins, which is uh, one of his books. It was a collection of stuff. Yes. Uh, more Rawhide Rollins, Trails Plowed Under. And there's well, Rawhide Rollins is all through Trails Plowed Under. I yeah, think. It's, it's, yeah. He's kind of the source of most of the stories, or the best ones, I felt. Um, but, uh, you know, his, his Russell's ability to capture a story with when he wrote you a letter of the little the little drawing he made oh, yeah. and then he wrote you a little story in the letter were funny and informative and 
and all of it. He was able to tie it all together. It was truly a true, a real gift, a real master. Well, you know, Ross Santia, who I, I got the two confused, I think, wrote Lost Pony Tracks. He also wrote Dog Days. Uh, he was did a lot of artwork. One of his books is called The Pooch, which is a story uh, about cowboys and stuff from a dog's perspective. Nice. And then he did another one called Sleepy Back Black, which was uh, from the horse's point of view. <laughs> and and the, it was a horse that was a cow horse, a rodeo bronc, and an outlaw horse, you know. All right. But he also wrote Arizona Land. Uh, he had a very, very colorful life. Came out west, uh, worked one of the ran- big ranches out here. Uh, was a wrangler, was a horse wrangler for the Bar F Ranch. Spent two years riding herd for him. Uh, helped with roundups. Joined the army. Was stationed at Camp Bowie, Texas. Returned back to Globe. Uh, you know. It- so if I'm, you guys just meet me and you want to recommend a, a western art, a western author for me to read. Who? is your top suggestion oh frank walters okay and i'll tell you why here let me let me just dig up my notes here okay this is what they they said about him considered by some critics and scholars the most distinguished western writers of writer of the 20th century he wrote a book called the man who killed the deer Okay. And he wrote about the Indian. That's primarily he. He grew up as a kid. He, he the family was on a Ute reservation. He used to go to all the ceremonies and all the stuff like that. He grew up imbued with the culture, studied the culture, and this is a sidebar on this. It's like you know, we some of the writers, uh, they they are disparaged because of their point of view of the Indian, mm-hmm. and they. People don't realize that one, like well, Beulah, uh, you know, who wrote the tr- Cavalry Trilogies for Ford, uh, his primary market was Saturday Evening Post. Mm-hmm. Saturday Evening Post had a policy of writing nothing good about the Indians. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to sell, mm-hmm. that's you didn't you didn't go, hey, noble red man, you went vicious savage. Mm-hmm. And so that colors a lot of perspective. And this uh, Walters, well, he was different. He, you know, he uh, is his. Well, I think one of his first novels was Fever Pitch, The Wilder's Nobility. Uh, he did a, he did a book called The Yogi of of Cockro- uh, Cockroach uh, Court, which was about half breeds. Hmm. And you know, he just he was just. Okay. So I, Frank, I, oh, I tell you, I don't know about you guys, but there's only two writers, uh, Frank Walters and Charles McNichols, that I have four copies of the same book. Already then. You must like them. Todd, who's your choice? Well, um, I have, uh, you know, I, I, you know, Harry, as always, I, I, you can never get a straight answer out of I know. me. But, <laughs> um, What's that? But, but you're brave enough and fearless enough to ask anyway. Um so, you know, I think I would ask you, uh, what are you looking to learn? If, if, if you're looking to learn, um, you know, uh, shall I say, about the West through, through somebody who experienced it, lived in it, and so mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. I would throw out the name William Kittredge. 
Okay. And uh, he wrote uh, he wrote a lot of books. Uh, my favorite book he wrote is um, called Hole in the Sky, which is his life growing up in the largest cattle ranch in all of Oregon. Wow. And that he watched his grandfather build, his father destroy, and then he's left with the remnants only of the memories, hmm. which his he couldn't work that ranch, so instead he wrote about that life that he experienced. And, you know, he w- grew up wealthy, but he really was raised by cowboys. He was raised by the cowboys on that ranch. And that has a lot to do um, with that, I'm sure, no doubt. Yeah, and he also wrote, <clears throat> he wrote many books that are good. He, he, he wrote a great book um, called Montana, The Last Best Place, um, which is kind of a culmination of his experiences of Montana living there, which is where he went, but also um, legends and myths about Montana that he learned while he was there. Um, Dan has decided to throw in his two cents, okay. which is always welcome. Welcome. Um, his his are, uh, uh, and by the way, he just reminded me of somebody that I will also throw into my bag of answer, which is Will Henry, who yes. wrote um, one of my favorite books of all time called No Survivors, which I don't care what anybody says, to me, is definitely somewhere along the line, whether it's conscious or subconscious, somewhat of the inspiration and motivation for um, Kevin Costner's Dances with Wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say that he, he wrote another book called The Tall Men, which was a great film with uh, Clark Gable and Jane Russell and Robert Ryan and Carmen Mitchell. But he also wrote another one called Who Rides with Wyatt? Mm-hmm. And he would take real stories, real historical events, and then write a historical novel around it in the way that Larry McMurtry did. Hmm. He also wrote a thing um, uh, about uh, the uh, 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 cavalry troop that was wiped out by the Apaches. But some of Dan's other favorites, of course, somebody we already mentioned, James Warner Bella who wrote those short stories, the Calvary Trilogy that Ford picked up through uh, the Saturday Evening Post, but he also wrote The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance, Mm -hmm. Sergeant Rutledge, Mm -hmm. The Cowman, and then also Ordeal at Blood River. But the top of his list is Alan LeMay, who wrote The Searchers, um, which I think, you know, we talked about it as one one of our favorite films, one of our favorite screenplays. Yep. Um, it's favorites on many levels. Uh, All right. But I think that's what a great story does, is okay. it takes you through that and, and winds you in different directions, not necessarily, you, you don't know exactly where you're going, but you hope you end up where you, where you think you will. All right. We are talking about authors of the Western genre, those who are not with us any longer, who, folks, we think you ought to read. We'll be back uh, with much more of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West after this. Property management company. Here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. 
The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSki.com. Hi everyone, it's Susan McRae and welcome to Chaparral Roundup. As you know, I've postponed the March event to October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd so we can all relax, have a great time with great dinners, a great lunch at the White Stallion Ranch, Q&A panels, screenings of a couple of our favorite High Chaparral shows, the documentary of Kent McRae so we can honor him during his favorite reunion, And we have a great silent auction to benefit the Robert F. Hoy and Kiva Hoy charity at the Tucson Medical Center. If you're already registered for March, you're automatically registered for October. But if you're not, you better register by September 17th. I look forward to seeing you all, and so does Don, with his confessions of an acting cowboy. You'll have fun. See you in October. For the Chaparral Roundup at Lodge on the Desert in Tucson, Arizona. I was just going to send for you, Gardner. Remember my telling you about James Wiley? You mean the troubleshooter from the East-West Stage Company? Nearly wrecked the casino last fall and you along with it? Claimed your games were crooked? Yeah, that's the one. This is the Voices of the West. Back on Amal Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bucket of France, Todd Roberts. We're talking about Western authors. I ain't confessing about anything. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Bunker doing his Don Collier. <laughs> well, you know, we got to talk about Eugene Manlow's Roads because uh, this is another guy. I love him. He's a New Mexico writer. But uh, I want to read something that he said. Uh, for one thing, he was he was considered by an awful lot of the writers as the, one of the most authentic voices, at, 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 and that his dialogue was pure cowboy, which mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. But this is this is his 
Rhodes chose for his villains the men who historically were the real villains in the West. The speculators, the bankers, the manipulators, the Morganses, the people who held the Morgans, the monopolists, all the operators of the machinery by which the East systematically plundered its captive province, the West. <laughs> That's plot number three, I think. Yeah. Frank, Frank and you know, it's interesting thing about Rhodes is at one time, and he did a lot of stuff, he, he worked for one of New Mexico's most famous ranches, the Bar Cross, mm -hmm. but he also uh, was a school teacher for a while. Yeah. And... And so, you know, back in this, because this is the turn of the century west, so the kids could be pretty sure. rowdy still. Yeah. He was a new teacher in the class. He went in there, walked up to his desk, pushed his coat back, took a gun out, <laughs> set it on the desk, and never had a problem with the students. <coughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Now, you know, it doesn't always have to be fiction that uh, we will point you to. Um you can find uh, some nonfiction, pretty doggone good nonfiction non about the Old West. Uh, and you probably wouldn't even think about this place. Project Gutenberg. Mm. <laughs> if you're into ebooks, that's a great place to uh, find all kinds of material. One that I have been uh, plowing through, uh, it's called The Story of the Outlaw. A study of the Western Desperado with historical narratives of famous outlaws, the stories of noted border wars, vigilante movements, and armed conflicts on the frontier. And it's by Emerson, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Hoff. It's either Ho or Hoff, H-O-U-G-H. And uh, this is published, uh, originally uh, copyright 1905, published in 1907 uh, by the Outing Publishing Company in New York. And... Um, Essentially, this is a study of the American Desperado. Yeah. Basically, that that's all it is, and it's it talks about the bad guys. Um, it should be talked about, and and it's it's pretty doggone good. Well, actually. you know, Bog, Boggs writes about them well, quite mm -hmm. a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's one. Now back to the fiction. Well, wait, let's, let's, okay. let's com combine that. All right, go ahead. Well, yeah, a feller named Alfred Bertram Guthrie Jr. A.B. Guthrie Jr. Okay. And, you know, uh, his, his, his fiction is almost history. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, he wrote about Texas, the folklore of Texas. And that's, that's another area which we haven't really talked about, which is the, the writers that wrote, wrote the folklore, you know, that wrote about uh, Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie and uh, all them other fellers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All them other fellers. Yeah, you know. But, uh, well, let's see. What did he, he did, well, like one of my favorite movies mm -hmm. was an A.B. Guthrie, The Big Sky. Oh, yeah. I've seen that more times than any other movie and saw five and ten minutes of it more time than any other movies. Because if it was on yeah. and I was going out the door, I'd stop and watch it for a couple And minutes. it's always the five, same five or ten minutes that no, you've seen. No, it was for a long time. And, and, you know, the amazing thing, I did not know until a few years ago that it was made in color. I'd yeah, always right. seen it in right. black and white. Yeah. And right. it was a perfect movie in black and white. It was even better in color, but it was <laughs> perfect either way. Well, I, you know, it's funny. that uh, The great thing about that film is, is that it... It wasn't made in color. It was colorized. Oh, wait. Uh, Dan is saying that it was colorized. 
Ah. It was colorized. It was it was originally in black and white because I have the poster, and the poster is in color uh, of that film. I bet you should I, do that, yeah. But <clears throat> I have another bad habit. I not only collect uh, books, but I collect move, uh, Western movie posters. Yeah. That's one of the ones I have, and it's in color. And um, Well, obviously, you know, you're not going to make a studio card in black and white. <laughs> Well, but you know, sometimes they they look like they were cartoony yeah, you know, right, right, in right. their in their in their poster. Yeah. This was a photograph of Kirk Douglas, uh, no shirt on. He's got his buckskin pants and he's throwing an axe right at you. <laughs> oh, at, I remember at that. The photographer. Nice. And uh, it's a great great photograph. Uh, it's a great poster and it kind of gives you an idea of the film. You know, you're in for a real ride here, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of action. Um, you know, it's funny what you were talking about. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, uh, fiction. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, somebody, we haven't talked about a lot of female authors, but Mabel Dodge Luhan wrote uh, three books mm-hmm. on her life living in Taos and on, on the reservations and in and amongst the, the nine pueblos of New Mexico her three divorces and so on, and I, it, it gives you a great, great insight of the life uh, of the American Indian of that area of the American Indian in uh, New Mexico in the part of the Four Corners, but also as an outsider of a white woman living in that environment. I think it's very interesting. There's one that I'm going to throw out to you that I don't think anybody really knows, and I only know it because I was forced to read it in my. Um, in a class at Verde Valley School when I went to high school, which is a woman by the name of Leslie Mormon Silco. Oh, yes. She she wrote a great book called Ceremony, which when you read it, you think it's a true, you think it's historical, a true story. And it's just all of the stories that she had heard and continued to hear uh, living in and amongst uh, uh, in the in in that area of the Southwest, and um, although it's not one of the Four Corners tribes, it's still a very poignant book. And you know, to me, the last paragraph of the book really sums up un- the unfortunate experience of the American Indian, which is two old women talking about the tragedy and despair of the main character, and the one looks, you know, this is so terrible how horrible this is, and so on and so forth. And the other lady looks at her and says, you know, it's the same story I've heard all my life. The only thing that changes are the names and the period. Yep. Well, you and know, she the, <clears throat> she was really noted for short stories. You know, you've got, yes. you started with Lullaby, uh, then there's another one, Yellow Woman, 200 Years of a Great American Short, she's in that. Uh, lullaby is told from the point of view of an old Navajo woman. Uh, Yellow woman takes an ancient Carrie's myth and weaves it into contem- a contemporary abduction story. Uh, and you know, you've got uh, one of her books is Ceremony. Uh, that was her first novel. Yes. Uh, that was the. That's the one that brought her on the on, on, brought her onto the into the limelight. Yeah, a tremendous book. All right, we got uh, I'll gotta, throw another one at you, which. Uh, uh, is Frank, Franklin J. O'Rourke, who wrote uh, A Mule for the Marquesa, which became yes. one of our favorite films, The Professionals, with Lee Marvin and Jack Palance mm-hmm. and 
Robert Ryan and Woody Strode and Burt Lancaster. Guys, and we got to one and only Claudia Cardinal. Oh yeah, yes. Thank goodness there's only one. Um, <clears throat> we're the gonna, one and only commercial. <laughs> we got to do our final commercial break here. This is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker de France and Todd Roberts with you. We're talking about Western authors, and we'll be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. When it's shoe day is born, I go riding, yippee For the wide open plains I roll, yippee-o. Till the sun to the hills goes hiding, yippee There will always be someone glad when 
Franzi's Voices of the West. <laughs> Just keep that going, man. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. That's King Curtis. Yeah. King Curtis. Well, Cowboy has to sing. Hey, but before we uh, run out of time here, I want to uh, uh, mention any book about Hopalong Cassidy is good. Clarence Milford, <laughs> yes. Well, yes, Clarence Milford. And I also have to say we cannot, not, we cannot do the show without mentioning the great Will James. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Between Sand and Smokey and and so many others, uh, you know, and his just, artwork, and his artwork, of course, and his and his being a guy who lived it and was there. Yeah. I also want to also mention the great Ramon F. Adams, who wrote one of the greatest bibliography uh, uh, compiled books of Western books called. Six Guns and Saddle Leather. Yes, and, yes, yes. Uh, it's just a fabulous book because anytime you come across a book, you find in a bookstore, if it's a historical book, you want to see if it's mentioned in his book hmm. because he, he wrote the be- uh, a book basically is kind of the encyclopedia of all great Western books. And then he, he kind of ran out of room and he wrote another one. I forgot um, about that book, yeah. Have I, yeah, have, it's a great book. Have either of you heard of a book uh, called uh, The Bitterroot Trail? It's uh, by an author, James W. Johnson, uh, written back uh, around the turn of the century, mm-hmm. uh, the 20th century. And uh, it's been re-released, uh, and I have an electronic copy. Uh, it, it, According to the publisher's note, it's a remarkable story based on fact. There was a plumber gang. Pat Ford was shot down in cold blood. And Bangkok City, Bannock City was a wild and woolly place in the fall and winter of 1862-63. Um, the story's basically unchanged from its original publication. Uh, and uh, But the eternal battle between good and evil continues. And the Bitterroot Trail still a whopping good story about real people facing real challenges. You know, Th- this one I'm enjoying this thing yeah. immensely. Uh, just, you know, we can't we can't finish the really show good. without mentioning Marie Sandoz. Yeah, uh, you know, she wrote fiction. She wrote nonfiction. Her nonfiction is amazing about the Sioux, uh, but probably two of her most outstanding books is Old Jewels which was about her dad, and then Old Jules Remembered. But uh, three of her books that are nonfiction that are outstanding is These Were the Sioux, which was an appraisal of the Sioux people, their culture, custom, wisdom, Love Song of the Plains, and The Battle of the Little Bighorn. And her accounting of The Battle of the Little Bighorn is one of the most referred to Really? Oh, books on a little bighorn. Interesting. People writing about it. Well, there are bunches of Western writers out there. Um, pick up a copy of one of them. Pick up a copy of some of the newer Western writers. And uh, don't bother to compare and contrast. They're just all good. They That's are all good. you need to know. <laughs> and read Luke Short. <coughs> oh, Luke Short. I, when I was in the Navy in Hawaii, on Fort Island, trapped in the middle of Pearl Harbor Bay, and you can't get off this darn thing, it's like Alcatraz, <laughs> I went through the library shelf of Luke Short, and that's how, partly kept, kept my sanity about me. We're out of time. Wait for- a minute, hold on a second. 
hold on a second here, Bunker. <laughs> You're going to try to get Harry and I and the audience to believe that I'm you saying? spent your time reading books while you were in Hawaii. Oh, yeah, I believe it. With, I, with, I, with, I, with, I was born with, with, with all that rum and those grass skirts. I believe now, it. Bunker, I believe listen, it. I'll buy that bridge you keep trying to sell me down in Florida before I'll buy that. I was born with a book in my hand. <laughs> there you go. We're out of time, guys. Now, next time we get together on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West, it will be Movie Saturday and our live stream out at uh, from the White Stallion Ranch. Yeah. We're going to be talking about movies uh, that should ha- should be recognized a lot more than they have been recognized. From the Wall of Shame to the Hall of Fame. From obscurity to whatever. <laughs> eternity. <laughs> yeah. From, yeah. from here to eternity. There you go. So that's a, that's coming up next on uh, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Thank you so much for joining us. 76, <laughs> 77, 78, 79... So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. 